This is of the news of the unseen, meaning this story of Yusuf that you have just read here is a story that was unknown to people. From the unseen, meaning that was unknown to people. How was it unknown? That it wasn't public, it wasn't public knowledge. Only a few people knew about the story. And whatever they did know was also very limited. But in the Qur'an, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the story of Yusuf salam, there's so much detail, there's so much beauty, and there's so many lessons that can be learned. Allah says, نُوحِيهِ إِلَيْكَ We reveal it to you, O Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَمَا كُنْتَ لَدَيْهِمْ You are not present witnessing إِذْ أَجْمَعُوا أَمْرَهُمْ وَهُمْ يَمْكُرُونَ When they were putting together their plan and they were plotting and conspiring against Yusuf alayhi salam. Meaning, it's not an eyewitness account. You weren't there. Which is why you are narrating the story. No, this happened many, many years before you. So how is it that the Prophet ﷺ so beautifully narrated the story? Because it's based on wahi. It wasn't something that he made up. Rather, this was something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed. This story is based on what? Divine revelation. From news of the unseen. Because the story of Yusuf ﷺ, the way we learn it in the Qur'an, it is not recorded in any book of history like that. Even in Bible, it's a different account. It's a different account. I'm sure all of you have seen some kind of movie or another based on the story of Yusuf And there are details that are according to the Qur'an, but there are many other details which are not according to the Qur'an and that kind of lure the glory that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really gave to Yusuf Like for example, you know, they show an affair that Yusuf had with a woman. I mean that does not bring any dignity. Having an affair with a woman. Really? Yusuf was above that. And even if the story wasn't a Torah, but how accessible was the Torah to the people? How accessible was it? It wasn't. So this was a story that was unknown to people. There was no printing press at that time. The Prophet ﷺ was illiterate. So in other words, the story could not have been fabricated. And this story is a proof that the Qur'an is a Miracle. The Quran is a miracle. Assalamualaikum. So I just want to share something that Shaykh Rabbidir shared, and he was talking about Surah Yusuf, and he said how the plot of Surah Yusuf is very interesting because it starts off with the dream that Yusuf al-Islam had, and then his brothers plot against him, and then his owner's wife tries to seduce him, then her friends try to seduce him, and then he ends up in prison. And then you see the story works backwards. The king has a dream. Then the dream is realized. The wife's friends apologize. They admit the mistake. The wife admits her mistake. He was let out of prison first. Then the apologies. Then the brothers apologize. And then his dream comes into actualization. Yeah. So like the story wasn't sent down. It yeah, was this cannot be the work of a human being. Because you see, have you ever tried writing up a story? A short story? I'm sure in school you had to do that. How many times did you write it and edit it and destroy it and write it again? How many times did you have to do that? Change words, edit. I mean, you edit it so many times. Even the most expert people, the most expressive people, they write one line and they will fix it ten times. But how is it that the Prophet ﷺ just recited the story? Just recited it? Can this be the work of a human mind? 
Impossible. Can this be the work of a man who's illiterate, who's never written a word, opened a book, read from a book, who's never done anything like that? Is it possible? And, you know, one is the plot of the story and how beautiful it really is, Ahsan al-Qasas. But in addition to that, the lessons and the beauty and the amazing, amazing parts of the surah that really touch your heart and melt you from inside, that is also amazing. That is also amazing. So, ذَلِكَ مِنْ أَنْبَاءِ الْغَيْبِ نُوحِيهِ إِلَيْكِ We inspire it to you, we reveal it to you. You are not with them watching all of this happen. When the people were making their plot, when the brothers of Yusuf were making their plot, you weren't watching them. This has been given to you. Assalamu alaikum. I just wanted to share a couple of reflections that I had on Surah Yusuf. So I'm just going to read it out. Surah Yusuf is a story of people, a story of sibling rivalry, a story of jealousy, a story of parenting, a story of growing up as a child, a story of patience, beautiful patience, sabrun jamil, patience again and again, a story of emotional intelligence, a story of strength, physical and emotional strength, a story of love, a story of forgiveness, a story of reliance on Allah and only Allah. Allah calls this story the best narration, the best story. Let's read this story and share it with our children, inshallah. Let's reflect on this story. This is a story with much between the lines, an overwhelming amount of insight between the lines, insight into family problems, insight into diseases of the heart, insight into patience, when it seems impossible. Insight into tawakkul, relying on Allah amidst all troubles. Relying on Allah and no one else. Insights into emotional strength and physical strength. Strength against evil and strength in dealing with the tests that life throws our way. We equate patience with a lack of strength, with being weak, with not wanting to speak up. But Surah Yusuf tells the story of patience being a strength, the strongest strength. Surah Yusuf is proof that all problems eventually end, eventually. If something doesn't change, the instant we make dua, we stop making dua. We despair of Allah's mercy. But Surah Yusuf is the story of never, ever despairing from Allah's mercy. When the odds seem to be lined up against you, and respite seems unachievable, unimaginable, that is when respite comes. Surah Yusuf is a story of embracing one's life situation, no matter what it may be, of accepting one's life situation, no matter what it may be. Surah Yusuf is psychology 101, the psychology of parenting, the psychology of children, the psychology of adults, psychology 101, wrapped up in this surah, all in one place. Surah Yusuf is the story of a father and sons, a story of siblings, of brothers, real brothers and half-brothers, a story of family, family love and family feuds, a story of how jealousy can take over, take over and change lives. The same story shows how people can change for the better, for the positive. It's a story of strength when things are not changing, and it's a story of ever-changing circumstances. Change beyond imagination, change beyond expectation, positive change. It's a story of humans, human forgiveness and human love. Forgiveness, it comes hard for us. Yaqub forgave his sons the instant they mentioned that Yusuf was eaten by a wolf, his worst fear coming to life. And what does he tell his sons? Your souls have made you do something wrong. He didn't call them wrongdoers, 
or ask them to go fend for themselves. He then said, فَصَبْرٌ جَمِيلٌ So beautiful patience. وَاللَّهُ الْمُسْتَعَانِ Allah is the one from whom help is sought. He immediately turned to Allah. Yaqub could have reacted in any of a million ways, but this was his chosen response. This is a beautiful story of a father forgiving his sons, sons who have wronged their father and brother. This is a beautiful story of a brother forgiving his brothers, brothers who have wronged him, turned his life upside down from the loving arms of his father into a well, then sold as a slave, then exposed to evil, then wrongfully imprisoned. Yusuf al-Islam doesn't dwell on what could have been. He makes the best of what is. So many negatives turned around into so many positives because of his attitude. From the arms of protectiveness into a world where he has to fend for himself, to learn, to grow, the educational opportunities endless, the learning opportunities countless, a story of strength upon strength, not the story of a poor boy whose brothers wronged him. No, this is the story of someone who exhibited strength against all odds, patience and strength. And what does he do when he meets his brothers decades later, when they don't even recognize him? As the days of the well and the slave are long gone, he now works for the king of Egypt. What does he do? He's calm, he's patient, waits for the right moment to reveal his identity. A story of emotional intelligence, not just blurting out what comes to our mouth, not a story of revenge, a story of forgiveness. Very beautifully put together. All the lessons are basically covered, mashallah. Anything that struck you the most? Yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us a perfect example of uh, the most difficulty a person can go through in life. Like, I mean, there's some people who have half-siblings and they realize how difficult that is. But Yusuf al-Islam, he had half-siblings and they were jealous against him and they actually plotted and committed crime against him. And then he also had to go through a woman trying to seduce him and then everyone else around him. He was also imprisoned wrongly. And then, you know, he had to stay in there despite his innocence. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts the example of if you think your life is difficult, look at this. This is... Everything that could possibly go wrong yes. went wrong. But despite all of that, his example was the most beautiful that we've ever seen. Despite all of that, he was still reliant on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He still turned to him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the example of the most difficult life and yet the best character yes. that he could have. Yes, Jazakallah khair. The most difficult life, but yet the best character. So beautifully, so perfectly, he passed every test. Every test. We think our life is difficult because of that one problem that we're suffering from. He had all those problems together in his life. He barely got out of one, that he got into another. Out of the pot, into the fire. Out of the pot, into the fire. Every time. But look at how he survived so beautifully. One thing that really struck me, was that this is not the story of a poor boy who's suffering because his brothers were jealous. No, it's not a story of you know being feeling pity over a boy. No, this is a story of strength. Look at how he came so strong, so strong through every challenge, through every difficulty. And you know why? Because he didn't have self-pity. Our problems become big because we feel pity for ourselves. And then we expect that others should show pity towards us. Woe is me, woe is me. And that's it. 
I was thinking that the story is so concise. You know, I've read so many novels in my life, and literally, like, some books have seven series and ten series, and like so many, and you literally don't learn a single lesson from any of them. And here, just like maybe a few hundred verses, Less you than learn, that even. you learn exactly, you learn so much. Like just from in one verse, you learn like so many lessons, so many. and just so. I was just thinking, this cannot be the work of a human, and like the lessons that you learn from just few words. Yes. And I'm just wow. Yeah. Every part of the ayah. It has amazing lessons. Go ahead. Um, this surah just got me playing connect the dots in my own head out of everything that happened in my life and just thinking this happened because of this. Mm-hmm. And especially the verse, the part of the verse when Musa salam says, Inna Rabbi yasha. So he does whatever he wants and the translation goes, he fulfills his plans in mysterious ways. And it just makes you so grateful because you are able to reflect on it. And, you know, they say hindsight is twenty twenty. You don't see it in the moment, but when you see it all planned out, you truly are grateful. Yes, very true. But there are so many things in your life that may have happened and you wonder, why did this happen to me? Why did I have to suffer in this way? But leave it to Allah and realize that Allah is Latif. I forgot to tell you the meaning of Latif. Latif is from Lutf. And Lutf is, first of all, Karam, kindness, so as difficult as it was, I mean, life was very difficult for Yusuf Rasulullah. But still, along with that difficulty, that kindness and affection from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala was always there. It was difficult, but Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala was also very good to Yusuf Rasulullah. Latif, kind, and secondly, lutf also means to be a very fine and delicate, intricate. So Latiful Limayasha meaning he works very in very subtle ways to execute his will. Not an obvious plan, but a very like it said, mysterious ways that no one no one could have guessed that if Yusuf is being thrown into well, it is so that one day he can be sitting on the throne of Egypt. No. Allah is a Latif. You know, on the surface things are happening one way. But behind the scenes, why it's happening like that? What's going to happen? Allah alone knows. He is Latif. So trust Him. He is Alim and He is Hakim. Assalamu alaikum. I just wanted to say that I was uh, very surprised by the, the ability that each and every one of them was able to, first of all, recognize their mistakes when they were supposed to recognize it. And second of all, to receive forgiveness from each and every one of them. It's just unbelievable. I'm, I'm still flabbergasted by yes. how they could forgive something so great. Yeah. But if you think about it, at the end, everyone is happy. Everyone is happy. Yusuf Salam is happy. The brothers are forgiven. They apologized. The woman, the women. I mean, everything's good. And this is a muhsin who's not just concerned about himself, but because of him, others also reform themselves. Others also improve themselves. You see, our success is not just we make of our lives, but how our enemies benefit also. How they become our friends. And you see this in the life of the Prophet ﷺ also. That how his enemies became his greatest supporters. Why? Because of his ihsan. Because when he also entered Mecca, as a victor, what did he say? La He said the same words as Yusuf I'm not going to blame you for anything. So his enemies became his friends. He was happy. 
everyone was happy amen assalamu alaikum the poem one thing that struck me was a story about love so for us love is one big thing because it controls your emotion the love for your child the love for your parents the love for a spouse for a friend for anything and if you're happy with that sufficient with that you see your life going towards the right way and if you see yourself that it's depressing you makes you sad hurts you things goes down the hill and for me it's the love of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that for yusuf for first his dad that no matter what happened he was patient that allah will make his dream come true and he would reunite with his son and that's the love and for his son to patiently wait for allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reunite and make his dream come true and that's also a love is that love uniting you to allah that you say you know what we say surah fatiha every day alhamdulillah and for me it's like subhanallah like last year like this whole year from 2013 to till today I went through so much that to a point where people even felt sorry for me that would say oh what's going to happen to you and today I realized it's a dua that I made every single day for years asking Allah ya Allah I want your love I want to get so close to you that literally in one year everything that I thought I had was falling apart and i realized today while i have been here that i realized today that anta walihi that allah is the you know he took everybody away from me and i was the type of person that i will be there for people and allah showed me that i relied on people so much that some of them that i love them so much that i said there's no way this person can hurt me But Allah took everybody away that I actually realized, Ya Allah, you are getting so close to you and this is a true love and sufficient for you is Allah. And whoever says sufficient for me is Allah and really means it, then you will get whatever it's in dunya for akhirah, then at the day it's for Allah. Because it is these people, these things that are around us that we get lost in. We love them too much, we rely on them too much, we expect from them too much. But as we go through life, we realize no one can protect us but Allah. No one can guide us but Allah. No one can keep us safe, you know, is worthy of being trusted, being relied upon, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everyone is weak except Allah. Everyone in your life is there temporarily, just for a few days. They're not there forever. But Allah, He's there for you from the beginning to the end. So seek Him, befriend Him, please Him, love Him, fear Him, and you'll be happy and you'll be successful. If you place all your love in an individual, that will break you. If you place your trust in an individual, that will break you. If you place your faith in someone, that will break you. Your wali, wali is who? Allah and only Allah. Not children, not mom, not dad. Nobody but Allah. This is pure tawheed. This is tawheed. Belief in the oneness of Allah. That my life, my death, my prayer, my sacrifice, my everything is for Allah. Because He is everything to me. Everyone else, weak. Everyone else, 
fails. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserves everything. But unfortunately, this is one thing that we forget the most. Which is why any person who shows a little bit of love, we get lost in them. Anyone who shows a little bit of support, we get lost in them. We forget Allah and we get lost in the means, we get lost in the people. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا أَكْثَرُ النَّاسِ And the majority of the people are not. وَلَوْ حَرَصْتَ And even if you greedily wish, بِمُؤْمِنِينَ at all believers. Meaning no matter how badly you want, O Prophet ﷺ, most of the people, they're not going to believe. Because if you think about it, a story like this, a story like that of Yusuf ﷺ, that was so eloquent and beautiful, full of lessons, so captivating, Even this story, when the kuffar of Makkah, when they were informed about the story, did they believe? No, they didn't. And had they reflected on the very contents of the story, you know, the storyline itself, it would have changed them. If they had reflected on it, if they had extracted any lesson from it for themselves, they would have believed. But the Prophet ﷺ is comforted over here that no majority of the people are not going to believe. And this was the case at the time of Rasulullah ﷺ. And this is the case even today also. That people see the authenticity of the Qur'an. Whatever is mentioned in it is accurate, it is true. But still, what will they do? They will find faults. They will find a reason here and there to reject, to deny. So what does this ayah show to us? That there have always been very few people who have believed in the messengers. Majority of the people, what have they done? They have rejected the call of the messengers. Very few people were those who believed. Why? Because believing is something difficult. Accepting iman is not easy at all. Firstly, a person is accepting the fact that he was wrong previously. Has it ever happened that you've had to accept your mistake? You've had to accept your mistake? Is it easy? Is it easy? To even think about this, that yeah, I made a mistake, I was wrong. I need to change myself. No, we'll go to any length to defend ourselves. Right? But when a person is accepting iman, what is he doing first and foremost? He's saying, he's acknowledging, yes, I was wrong. All my life, I have been following a religion that was incorrect. I have been believing something that was not right. So that itself, you know, is a big ego issue. And then secondly, when a person accepts iman, then, you know, he has to face a lot of opposition from the people around him also. To deal with peer pressure is very difficult. If you ever do anything that is different from the rest of the people around you, from your family, how odd is it? It's so difficult. You don't want anyone to know you're doing it. So this is why accepting iman is also difficult. But this is the reason why for those who accept iman, there is also a huge reward. Because every difficulty brings a lot of reward. Right? And also remember that accepting iman means that a person has to change himself. You know, first was that he has to accept that he was wrong. But now what? Now you have to change yourself. Change everything. From your eating, to your drinking, to your dressing, to your socializing and your celebrating. Everything has to change. And people would rather follow their own desires than restrict themselves to a particular way of life. So the Prophet ﷺ is comforted over here. It's not your fault that they're not believing. 
No, you are doing your best in conveying the message. The fault is whose? It's the people's fault. They don't want to believe. And the sad reality is that no matter how much you try, majority of the people will remain disbelievers. وَمَا تَسْأَلُهُمْ عَلَيْهِمْ in أَجْرِ And you are not asking them for any ajr over it. Meaning, why do they find it difficult to believe? Are you asking them for some kind of payment? That believe in me and give me this much money every month? No. You're not asking them for any kind of payment. You are doing this service for free. In huwa illa lil'alamin. This is not but a reminder for the worlds. This message of yours, this Qur'an is a reminder. Meaning it's something to help the people. Think about it, a reminder. Isn't it helpful? Isn't it helpful? Which is why we're always setting reminders on our phones and our computers and everything. The other day somebody was calling me and I wasn't able to take the phone call. But I don't know what happened. Something I touched on the screen. And now every day what happens is that my phone reminds me that I have to call this individual back. I don't even know who that individual was because that it just a random number showed up. And I got a lot of you know, wrong phone calls. So every day I'm getting those reminders. And the funny thing is I'm getting those reminders even on my computer. Even on my computer. I don't know how or why, but it's happening. But I was thinking that if this was you know, a reminder that I needed, how helpful it would have been. A reminder is always useful, always beneficial. And this Qur'an, what is it? It's a reminder. But some people, they get offended when they're reminded. They're like, don't remind me, don't tell me, I already know. So this Qur'an is a reminder, but people, they don't want to listen. They don't want to know. Allah says, وَكَأَيِّنْ And how many? مِنْ آيَةٍ Signs. فِي وَالْأَرْضِ In the skies and the earth. How many signs are there up in the sky and around yourself in the earth? How many signs? Above you, around you, beneath your feet, within you. Which ayat are these? Ayat? Kauni. So one are ayat shari. So for example, Surah Yusuf. Right? Ayat shari. The verses that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed. And then there are ayat kauni. The signs that are spread around us, that constantly remind us of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The verses remind us of Allah, and the signs around us, the creation, that also reminds us of Allah. Allah says, so many signs there are in the sky, in the earth, يَمُرُّونَ alayha. They pass by it. Meaning, all the time people are passing by these ayat, by these miracles. If you think about it, your own body, isn't it a miracle? Your hand itself. I mean, have you ever seen a child struggling to hold a pencil or a pen or a crayon and trying to write or color? Hmm? How difficult it is for them. How much they, they struggle to even hold the pencil. You know, with so much force they're holding it. And they're trying to trace. And they're trying to color within the lines, but they're not able to. And here you are writing without even looking. Isn't that itself a miracle? I mean, the, the skill that you have developed and perfected over time, this itself is an ayah. In the sky, the sun, the moon. Did you see the moon last night? Beautiful. Have you seen the rain recently? The clouds, how swiftly they're just gliding in the sky and the wind and the beautiful fragrances. There's so much beauty. Allah says, there's so many ayat. يَمُرُّونَ alayha. They pass by them. وَهُمْ عَنْهَا مُعْرِضُونَ And they turn away from them. They don't pay any attention. They drive in the night, they see the moon, they look and they look away. 
They look up in the sky, they see the beautiful clouds and they turn away. They don't even bother to give a second glance and appreciate what Allah is showing them. Appreciate the Creator. They don't even bother to do that. So the Prophet ﷺ was very sad about the fact that the people were denying the Qur'an. Allah says, this is not the first time they're refusing my ayat. They refuse ayat shari, but they even refuse ayat kauni. They even refuse ayat kauni. They see the signs night and day, countless proofs, yet they reject. They don't bother to think. They don't bother to reflect. If you think about it, there is a beautiful painting, a piece of art, some artwork. If you see it and you find it beautiful, don't you wonder who made it? Hmm? Don't you wonder who made it? Like for example, just this poster only over here. Hmm? And there's one over there, and then there's one over there. When you see these things, don't you wonder? That's beautiful. I wonder who designed it. Hmm? And what happens? You see a particular artwork once, and you see it again, and you see it again, and you see it again. But what happens? People keep praising that artwork. Right? They praise the art of the creation. But the art of the Creator... They don't praise it. And if they do praise it, they will only praise the artwork itself. They will not praise the maker. They will not praise the creator. Think about it. If there is a beautiful piece of art, why does it have value? Why? Is it because that artwork is beautiful or because a particular person made it? Because of the artist. Because sometimes, really, you'll see something that will look like garbage to you. You're like, it doesn't make any sense. Is it a bird? Is it an eye? Is it a forest? What is it? You can't tell. Somebody has to explain it to you. And then you're like, oh. And then you look closely. It's just a lot of paint literally thrown on a canvas and smudged with a paintbrush. But that piece is worth thousands of dollars sometimes. Why? You might say, I can do a better job than this. Right? My three-year-old can do a better job than this. Give her a lot of paint and she'll do a wonderful job. But that will not even sell for $10 on eBay. Right? But something similar, just because it has been made by a particular artist, it will have so much value. What matters? It's not the art. It's the artist. But when we look at the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we go on praising nature, nature, nature. Right? We keep talking about how amazing it is, mind-blowing it is, how these systems are so perfect. Who made it? Where did it come from? Don't you ever think about that? Sister Jamila? Bismillah, assalamu alaikum. Reflecting in Allah's creation is soft the heart. Especially for kids when it's rain, just put them by the window and tell them, look at the rain, look at the trees, how it was so dry, now it's green. SubhanAllah, when you tell them, actually they reflect. When you put this kind of tawheed in their heart, they can accept any ahkam of Allah. Yes, inshallah. And don't just show them the rain, take them in the rain. The other day it was raining and it was bright and warm outside. And I just walked outside in the rain. It was too beautiful. So I just stepped out into the backyard. And my kids were like, what are you doing, mom? I'm like, come. It's like a big shower. It's so nice. It's nice and warm, soft water. And they really enjoyed it. And now every time it rains, they actually want to go outside. So... These are you know, things that Allah has created for us to enjoy and at the same time,
praise Him and thank Him and appreciate His greatness, His perfection, and as a result surrender more before Him. But it is said that most of the people, they pass by these signs and they just turn away. وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ And most of them do not believe in Allah except that they associate with Him. Meaning, most of the people who believe in Allah, okay, what kind of belief do they have? They do shirk with Him. So if you think about our humanity at large, majority of the people don't believe. Hmm? Some people believe. And then out of those some people who believe, most of them, what do they do? إِلَّا وَهُمْ بِهِ مُشْرِكُونَ They do shirk with Him. So there is only a few people really at the end who believe in Allah as they should believe in Him. Who truly believe in His oneness. Because majority of the people, they do shirk with Allah. What kind of shirk? Shirk in His rububiyyah. So for example, they say, Rabb is who? Khaliq, Malik, Mudabbir. So Allah is not the creator. This giant force, you know, because of that everything came into existence. Okay? Likewise, for some people, literally they believe that there are multiple creators. Hmm? So they do shirk in rububiyyah. Likewise in uluhiyyah. Meaning in him being ilah, in worshipping Allah. So they believe that, okay, there's one creator. But when it comes to acts of worship, then they will perform them for who? Other than Allah. And if you think about it, majority of the Muslims also, don't they commit this kind of shirk? They believe in Allah. They say, if you ask them, who's your Lord? Who's your God? Allah. But when they need a child, when they need their business to grow, when they need some difficulties to be removed from them, what do they do? They go to a grave. Hmm? They go to some tree. They go to some person thinking that they can help. They can relieve them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is complaining over here that on the one hand, there are people who don't believe at all. And on the other hand, there are people who believe yet they don't give him his due haq. Think about it. When we believe in Allah, really, how much is it that when it comes to reliance, we rely only on Him and not others? Remember Yusuf when he was in the prison? What happened? He just mentioned to that guy, you know, tell your master about me. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not like that. So as a result, Yusuf stayed in the prison for a few more years. Because he should not have sought the help of the creation. Now this is something that people are allowed to do. But the prophets, they're not allowed to do that. Now this was something very small. But think about it, if we're sick, who is it that we turn to first and foremost? Doctor, doctor, hospital, emergency, right? We have a headache. What's the first thing that comes to our mind? Or the first words that come out of our mouth? Tylenol. Tylenol, Tylenol. Really, our words, what do they show? The state of our heart. That we have more faith in Tylenol than we have faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? I find it so sad how like we want to go to Al-Firdaus, like, we want to get to the highest point there is, but like when it comes to things like relying on Allah, then we don't want to rely on Him completely. We want to rely on our parents, siblings, whatever. Like, uh, I was listening to that lecture you told us to listen to. What if this is my last Ramadan? And it's so good. Like, you guys should really listen to it. 
brother Tawfiq Chaudhary, he said that like, if you're working for GM, then why would IBM pay you? You know, like if you're working for Allah and like we all are working for Allah, then why would we seek the help of anyone other than Allah? Yes. Or why do we expect praise and reward from other than Allah? So this is something that contradicts the wahid. In Dorakran, there was this poem that we read. Uh, basically, it's called uh, Hindu Kifriyat, which is basically the call or complaint of a Hindu. The gist of it was that if a Hindu prays to, and they have so many gods, and they um, basically present material things to them, there's no difference in a Muslim. We go to dead people. We, uh, you know, people do um, present things to them. They make dua to the dead people, and then basically at the end, the Hindu um, or the poem said that if we're going to end up in a fire, then so will you. And then if you're going to Jannah, then so will we. Because there's no difference in our actions at all. I mean, think about it. If they are offering food and such things to their idols, we say, oh, shirk, kafir, hellfire. But the same thing Muslims are doing. The same thing Muslims are doing also. And this is something that happens at every level, at a very extreme level. Okay, But if you think about it at a very small level, if it's not major shirk, it's minor shirk that we do, which is seeking praise from people, the corruption of intention. But we think that others, they will not make it to paradise, but we will for sure make it to paradise. Allah says that most of the people, they do shirk. So look at yourself. Every person, look into their hearts. How much is it that I love Allah, fear Him, depend on Him, expect from Him? alaikum. I was thinking about when you say time and all, I, since I was a teenager, I have this headache all the time. So I used to time and all, time and all, time and all. And then once I said, why don't try Surah Al-Fatiha? Because when I hear about Surah Al-Fatiha, I try, subhanAllah, I, after I read Surah Al-Fatiha seven times, I hold my head, it's just gone, the headache. Whenever I have headache now, I ha- alhamdulillah, I have better than time and all. Alhamdulillah. And you know, if somebody tells us, read ruqya on yourself or read some Qur'an or read ayat shifa or du'as for shifa. We say, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. But I also need this. It's like we have more faith in other things than we have faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His kalam, His words, His promises. So it's these tests, it's these situations that really show how strong is our belief in tawheed. On paper, it's very simple. Very simple. What Tawheed means, what the root is, what the technical meaning is, what its implications are. Very simple. But in real life, that's the real test. That how strong is Tawheed in a servant. And remember, the stronger it is, the better it is. The more successful a person will be. أَفَأَمِنُوا Do they feel secure? أَن تَأْتِيَهُمْ غَاشِيَةٌ That a غَاشِيَةٌ will come to them. غَاشِيَةٌ From غَيْن شِينْ يَا غَاشِيَةٌ To cover. And ghashiyah is one that completely covers. And it refers to some kind of punishment that will completely overcome the people. Do they feel secure that a ghashiyah will not come to them? Min adabillah from the punishment of Allah? Meaning, how do they feel secure from Allah while they're doing shirk? Can Allah not send an overwhelming calamity upon them? from which none of them can escape, or the hour will come upon them suddenly, and they do not even perceive, they do not even realize that it's coming, and it just suddenly shows up. And remember the hour, there's two 
sa'at. One is a sa'at al-sughra, the minor resurrection, and that refers to death. And the second is major as-sa'at, as al-kubra, and that refers to the day of judgment and beyond it. Now yes, the day of judgment, everyone is not going to see it happen in the sense that everyone is not going to be alive. Okay? Meaning when it occurs. Yes, after the second blowing of the trumpet, or according to others, the third blowing of the trumpet, the entire creation will be brought alive. And then people will witness the scenes of the day of judgment. But every single individual is going to face a sa'atu sughra. The first sa'ah, the minor one. And what is that? Death. Because kullu nafsin dha'iqatul maut. Every nafs is going to taste death. It is going to experience death. So in other words, what are people waiting for? What are we waiting for to perfect our tawheed? To improve our submission before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What are we waiting for? The angel of death to appear? Don't we realize how vulnerable we are, how weak we are, how incapable we are? I mean, every day, what is it that we realize? That we're so pathetically weak. Really we are. We don't even have control over our bodies. We are helpless before our bodies. Something could be upset in your stomach, in your head, and you cannot figure out what it is. If you could, you would tear your stomach open and fix it yourself, but you have no idea what's going on inside. You're so weak and helpless before your own body. And in the earth, in general, I mean, think about it, what is beneath us? What is beneath us, under the soil, under all this rock, what is there? What is in the core of the earth? What is it? Fire. Can it not come out of the surface of the earth? Where are we? Under the sky. And what's in the sky? There's so many things that are dangerous for us. We could finish literally within a second. Have you ever seen those videos where you know, people are driving perfectly fine on a road and there comes a lot of water and all of a sudden all those cars are just swimming in the water? I'm sure you've seen videos like that. Think about it. No matter where a person is today, is he safe? Even if he's in a country like United States of America, he goes to work or he's in his own house, there are people walking with guns everywhere. You don't know who's going to shoot you where. I mean, we hear these kind of stories all the time. Innocent people being shot at. Children. Right? We think people who are living in Gaza, people who are in Syria, they are in danger. You know what? Every single human being that is alive is vulnerable, is in danger. And if Allah wants, Allah can protect him. And if Allah takes that protection away from him, khalas, he is done with. What guarantee do we have that we will be safe? What guarantee do we have? How long do we think we have to live? What are we waiting for? Afa'aminu? Do they feel secure? Then why are they procrastinating? Why are they delaying? If you think about it, Ramadan, I mean, already we're in the middle of the month. And I'm sure we had many goals at the beginning. I want to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Check yourself. Have you been fulfilling all your Ramadan goals? Have you been accomplishing them or have you been delaying? That okay, I'll do it later, I'll do it later. What are we waiting for? Do we have any guarantee that we're going to see Eid? We're going to see the end of the month? We're going to see Laylatul Qadr? We don't have any guarantee. I read this somewhere 
that a man who's sitting perfectly fine at home needs Allah just as much as someone who's drowning in the middle of the ocean and they have no help. So if we think about it, then... Yeah. We think if things are under control or, or we think things are under control, there's no visible danger, then we're perfectly fine. And because of that, we start saying things which are wrong and we start doing things which are wrong. We start listening to things which are wrong. We start watching things which are wrong. We go on committing sin without thinking that something can hurt us right here, right now. If nothing external, internal. I mean, your heart can finish within a moment. Recitation. ذَلِكَ مِنْ أَنْبَاءِ الْغَيْبِ نُوحِيهِ إِلَيْكَ وَمَا كُنْتَ لَدَيْهِمْ إِذْ أَجْمَعُوا أَمْرَهُمْ وَهُمْ يَمْكُرُونَ وَمَا أَكْثَرُ النَّاسِ وَلَوْ حَرَصْتَ بِمُؤْمِنِينَ وَمَا تَسْأَلُهُمْ عَلَيْهِ مِنْ أَجْرٍ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا ذِكْرٌ لِلْعَالَمِينَ وَكَأَيِّمْ مِنْ آيَةٍ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ يَمُرُّونَ عَلَيْهَا وَهُمْ عَنْهَا مُعْرِضُونَ وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ أَفَأَمِنُوا أَنْ تَأْتِيَهُمْ غَاشِيَةٌ مِّنْ عَذَابِ اللَّهِ أَوْ تَأْتِيَهُمُ السَّاعَةُ بَغْتَةً وَهُمْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ 